Hey, man. Hey, dude. How's it going? Oh, Jen might murder me by the, like, if I keep on taking weekends off, I might not make it through, like, another three or four weekends. Why is that? Oh, I, I think she prefers it when I work. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so does Mia. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're a couple of good ones, I think. Well, we're just obnoxious, I think. <laughs> Welcome to The Lake Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. <laughs> I I screwed this up and and I threw it back to how many jobs ago was that? I don't know. I mean, I don't like I'm not your LinkedIn manager. I don't know. Probably like 5, 6. <laughs> 5 or 6 jobs ago that I that I that I threw this show back to. Uh but today though, we're going to have a good one. We uh it's a we're going to intro a little bit shorter than we usually do with this, and then we're going to throw to a conversation we had with Mo Dakil of Jump Ball Net and uh, the, the Jump Ball Post. .net. Yeah, yeah, the Jump Ball. I, th- I thought he called it the Jump Ball Net. Anyway, but we're gonna we're gonna throw to that conversation. It was a really good one. He had a lot of really good information, a lot of good context based because of the background that he has when it comes to analyzing the NBA. Well, so, for those of you that aren't familiar, he's a former he's a former video coordinator with the Clippers, with the Spurs, the Australian men's national team. Yeah. He, he's like I highly recommend following his work, and you'll hear why in a couple minutes when we talk about this. Anthony, I do want to say though, I don't know that you want to promise a shorter intro because I have a feeling you're not going to have like only one or two thoughts on this topic that we're going to discuss to uh, to start the show. That's that's fair. That's fairish. Uh, it's it's an interesting topic though, and it was a nugget in Eric Pincus's uh, most recent article for Bleacher Report, and he was talking about uh, basically the the he spoke to an anonymous Lakers executive who said that they didn't know they were going to sign LeBron James at the time that they were drafting pieces of this young core, um, and that it's too early to judge Brandon Ingram and kind of what he can be. Yeah, although. Which the, I think is fair. I mean, I think are, too, the numbers are kind of ugly. It's though. too early to fully judge what he can be. Like, how many times do we do this with young guys where we give up on them? We say they're always going to be disappointing. And then all of a sudden, it's Tobias Harris for the Clippers this year. You know, like, I feel like this happens sometimes. It's not frequently. It's it, most of the time, it's the opposite problem. People are way too high and unforgiving on the young guys. But I think sometimes it does go the opposite arc where the expectations are almost set too high from the start, which is something we actually kind of talked about with Mo. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then like, People are they don't meet those sky high expectations. And so people are immediately down on them. And I feel like that's kind of the way that we've went with Ingram. I'm actually pretty confident that Ingram can be good based on how he has played not with LeBron. I don't know if that means that he's going to be good on the Lakers because the Lakers have LeBron. <laughs> and so his ultimate success may be, it may be one of those things where his success comes elsewhere. But uh, like I, I, I'm not totally down on Ingram as a prospect, although I will note I have always been higher on Lonzo. I it's not so much that I'm down on Ingram as a prospect. It's that if you're grading anybody on this Lakers team, you have to do that under the assumption or, or under the, the your top priority while you do that has to be how does it work with LeBron. And if a player is significantly worse with LeBron on the court than with him off of the court, like that's not... 
That's not great, Bob. That's okay. Not great. So I think we're I think we're in agreement that it's probably too early to fully judge Ingram and that he may not be the best fit with LeBron. I think that's absolutely fair. That like I don't think it's too early to judge that his fit with LeBron isn't totally seamless. Now maybe they figure out something and maybe Ingram starts to change the way that he plays a little bit with LeBron. But so far we haven't seen a whole lot of evidence of that. It's just a lot of the same stuff that's been driving people crazy since the preseason when they were playing together. So. Uh, I, I I just don't like the 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 way that they are approaching those two guys on the court together. Like Ingram is a is a good cutter. He is a good finisher at the rim on those cuts. And, and he's not doing it. And LeBron is a tremendous passer, maybe the best passer I've ever seen. And and they just all Ingram seems to want to do, or all the Lakers seem to want Ingram to do, is stand around on the perimeter. And wait for his opportunity to to try to score in isolation, which is not what he's best at. It's just... and these are also this is a similar. It's not the same thing as when LeBron was pairing with Wade, but it's like you have two wings that both want to score the ball and are fundamentally similar players in like how they view their scoring as far as being ISO players and things like that. Though that's where the similarities end. I'm not saying Ingram's Wade. I'm not saying that this <laughs> is the same thing. But the difference is that. Both of these guys at this stage of their careers are better shooters than LeBron and Wade were when they came together. LeBron's a better shooter than LeBron was then. And Ingram's already, I would say, I mean, it's small sample size, but he's been shooting well in a small sample size for like over a year now. So it's starting to be a larger sample size. Both of them, I would say, are better shooters than that pairing was. And so combined with LeBron's a good cutter, too. We've seen it this year. We've seen Lonzo find him on cuts. We've seen Rondo find him on cuts. And so this shouldn't be as hard as they're making it. But I think to me, the problem problem is is you need Rondo or Lonzo in there to goose the pace when those two are on the floor so they're getting like a little attempts against a little bit more scrambled defense yeah. because the big thing that I noticed in the game yesterday against Orlando was that as soon as Lonzo went out they they crawled to a snail's pace and LeBron was was pounding the ball down the floor. He was trying to get the team into a set. And the Lakers just don't have the shooting to justify running half-court actions. Teams or the don't sets, fear their shooters. Quite yeah, frankly. or the sets. <laughs> but even even at, like let's say even if they were a little more creative, like half-court is not where their strengths are going to be just because teams are yeah. ultimately unafraid of the lo a lot of the shooters that they have on the floor. Luke Walton talked about this, that teams kind of allow them to shoot threes and play off of them. And so that's going to gum up the paint. That's going to make it more difficult. So you have to run and run and run. And they aren't. I think that's where starting to fix these issues with the two of them starts. The reason we're talking about all this was because of this report in Bleacher Report and and, and in Eric Pincus's article uh, that basically the, the executive said that they didn't know that they were getting LeBron at the time that they drafted pieces of the young core. The timeline... You actually had a good stay woke on this, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and like, because I was like, I, I don't know, I feel like they probably knew about LeBron a ways in advance, but you actually had, I think, a good point. Well, all right, so basically the premise is that they could not have known that because they didn't draft Brandon Ingram, right? Yeah. So, so I think the Ingram, and, and I don't know, I don't think there's anyone left that considers Zoo a member of the young core, but uh, you know, and, <laughs> it's just you. <laughs> it's just me. It's me alone on Zoo Island, and. <laughs> and so so I think those guys obviously are not seamless fits with LeBron. They were drafted by a previous regime. I, I would I'm perfectly willing to buy that the Lakers didn't know that they were getting LeBron when they drafted those guys. The other three, Hart, Lonzo, and Kuz, are actually seem to be better fits with LeBron. And, you know, what there is some thought that the Lakers may have known that that was coming around the time that they drafted those guys. I mean, if you if you were to just rank guys who fit best with LeBron, 
Ingram's a distant fourth, right? Yeah, he's, he's a distant. It's it's or probably still counting Zoo. It's probably <laughs> then Ingram's fifth. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but you have you have I think I think Hart at this point to me fits the best with LeBron, then Kuzma, then Lonzo, then there's like a mile long gap, then there's Ingram, and then there's on some distant island over there there's Kuzma. <laughs> you mean Zoo? Or yeah, yeah, Zoo, Zoo, yeah. <laughs> Zoo Watts. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I don't think I I'm not going to call whoever was was offering up this information to Eric a a liar. I'm not going to I'm not going to go that far, but I'm also going to say that I'm a little skeptic that somehow that the Lakers didn't know at the time that they were They're gonna... anonymously trying to avoid tampering fines. <laughs> we had I this was probably the tone this was given in. We had no idea that LeBron was coming. <laughs> It just so happens that everybody that we drafted seems to really fit with the the type yeah, of I mean, player may, that LeBron I don't know, maybe is. This person didn't know. Maybe it wasn't for sure. Maybe it just looked that way. But I don't fun. know. I just I'm dubious about the idea that they didn't know last year. If if you know if Coach Pete's entertainment sources are getting the news, I have a feeling the Lakers probably had to know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, you know there was the there were the reports of of Jeannie waking up or not being able to sleep before they they signed LeBron and. And magic showing up two hours early and and having to I convince. Mean, I, I buy the magic thing. I think he probably did show up, and they went and were they were allowed to have an official person to person conversation. Uh-huh. I think that was a real thing. No, I, uh, I think I just, that was a real thing. But I think when LeBron, when magic showed up, he knew what he was getting himself into. Yeah, I think it was more talking about here is what our partnership is going to be like moving forward, rather than play. It was like magic Please, yeah. like, had to go in. Magic had to go in there and like not make LeBron reconsider everything that had been moving into place for a year, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, he was definitely having a conversation from a position of strength is how it I was like, I that. imagine for you, it was probably like when you proposed to Jen, she had already like been dating. She had invested like what, five or six years. Yeah, already? She was pot so, committed. Like, yeah. She couldn't really say no at that point. Cause then you got to go start over somewhere. Yeah. So Hey, it seems to be working out. So take that. Yeah, marry a doctor strategy. <laughs> You guys all got to figure this out. I mean, if I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything? I guess we should really quickly talk about the, the Lonzo thing and and not playing down the stretch. of. Or, or do you want to do this after our conversation with Mo? I'd, I'd say let's talk. We got into it a little bit with Mo. Let's, let's talk a little bit more of our thoughts after that. All right. Sounds good. So hang tight. Listen to this conversation with Mo. It's a really, really good one. He has a ton of really good context and information here. Uh, and then Harrison and I also participate in the conversation. And then on the back side of this, we'll we'll give our thoughts on on what's becoming a trend. I think at this point, and I think that's how we have to address it. If that tease doesn't get you to stick or stick around, I don't know what will. And we're joined a couple days after thanksgiving we we just spent about 10 a, a good solid 5 10 minutes giving our our thanksgiving takes so mo i i guess my my first question to you is when are you changing from mo.heel underscore nba to mo.heel underscore thanksgiving food um well uh, to be honest anthony it 
it would just be all food. Okay. Like I love to eat. So I mean, Thanksgiving's great because it's food and it'd be all food. So if I had to change it based on my food takes, it would be a new handle every day. And I think I'd probably lose some followers. Well, I think that's just your, that's just your Instagram account, right? It's just your, that that's your food account. It's like, like if you look at your Instagram story, it's just like always you cooking these like elaborate meals and stuff like that. Like I like look over at like my frozen food dinner and I'm like, Oh, this is great. Like, like I need to figure out how to better manage my time so that I have time to do that as well as like the other work and stuff because you get it all done. Well, it's funny well, that it's funny that you mentioned the elaborate meals that he cooks. The one time that he and I kind of sort of shared a meal, we just had French fries yeah, <laughs> when we were stuck in when we were stuck at, at Las Vegas Airport. <laughs> It was after summer league, and I think we both just really wanted to get home. Yeah, and we had like a three, three and a half hour delay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember that day. Yeah, Anthony, I ended up getting a ticket that day because of Anthony, but then um, <laughs> he was complaining to me the whole time about his flight delay. It was it well. Was the best not... part was I tweet that I'm delayed, and I have Anthony sent me a message. Are you on the same flight as me? And I look back, and there's Anthony. Yep. We made our way to the bar. Uh, so yeah. today, though. Today we're going to talk uh, quite a bit. Mo Doc Hill has has a really cool background when it comes to where his understanding of basketball comes from. Uh, you did video coordinating work, right, with with the Clippers for a while. I did it with the Clippers, the Spurs, and I worked with Team Australia for a few years. Yeah, so so he brings a a, a wealth of knowledge that that we're going to take advantage of here. To the first question that I really have, and it just based on the the different organizations and cultures that you worked with uh the lakers right now because of all the turnover and because of the system how long it takes to implement a system i guess my first question to you and where we'll start on actually talking about basketball here is how do teams set up like their 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 goals is it a 20 game thing is it a 40 game thing is it just is it arbitrary based on that specific group like when does when does the team start taking the data that they've gathered at that at some point and really start analyzing what their team might be. Yeah. You know, I mean, to be honest, you start evaluating your team the second you start training camp. Right. And Mm -hmm. this is, this is our squad. This is who we're going to, this is what we got, you know, and you're, you spend a lot of time in training camp to, to figure out who we got, what lineups do we have? You experiment, you play around and practice, um, you know, once season starts, you don't have as many practices, so it's a little harder to, to experiment. It's also why sometimes you see games where you're like, what the hell rotation is that? And you're kind of like, uh, he's trying something different here and he just doesn't have the chance to, to practice it. Um, in terms of goal setting, you know, obviously everybody has the same goal to start the season. We want to win a championship and that's unrealistic for about 25, 26 teams in, in, mm-hmm. in, in reality. Um, but, you know, you, you set small goals. You set, hey, and, you know, every team kind of does it. You know, in the first 20 games, we want to be here. You know, we sometimes it's a matter of looking at the schedule going like we're going to have 14 out of 20 home games, you know, in this span. Like we need to be at this type of record, you know, and it's dependent on each team and we should take advantage of that. And your goals kind of fluctuate throughout the whole season. You know, when you do 20 game span, you know, half the season, where are we at? You know, and, and, and you're constantly evaluating as a coaching staff. You're looking at your lineups, what lineups are working, what aren't what aren't working. Uh, wow. What aren't working? Great English. <laughs> what isn't working? Um, and then, uh, it, you know, uh, the front office is also evaluating, you know, 
who are we using, who aren't we using, what players on the market that we could jump on, um, what's going on in the trade chatter, and, and, and can this player help us, and, and all that. So it's a constant, it's a, just a constant system of you're always looking and evaluating, and you set a goal, and, and, and you see if these goals are realistic. Sometimes these guys set goals that are that are that are crazy unrealistic as a as a team even you look at it going like man we're we we have a road heavy schedule coming up we have several back-to-backs or four and five nights or or whatever the nba or three and four nights or whatnot and it kind of sometimes you're like that's not real realistic you know our goal but some teams just kind of stay with it and and uh, goal setting is always a tough thing because you're you're also setting expectations, which which can be a problem if you don't meet those expectations. Well, somebody's at fault for not meeting that expectation. Yeah, that's well. That's... So the Lakers, the Lakers have kind of already dealt with that a little bit this year. <laughs> there were some expectations that you know Magic Johnson apparently did not feel like his expectations were being met earlier this season, and he had that much publicized like behind closed doors meeting where he was yelling at Luke Walton. And so I, I want to ask you that, like, obviously. Uh, the Lakers, you aren't doing as much analysis of the Lakers as you would be doing if you were their video coordinator. But we're like almost 20 games in here. They're 11 and 8. Like, and you talked about that goal setting. Is this team about where you expected them to be heading into the season, just based on kind of your analysis of them? Yeah, I don't. I think you know the. Listen, there's a lot of overreaction, right? And and I understand it. The excitement with LeBron and, I and would everything. Never. <laughs> no, Anthony, not at all. Um, but you know, so the, you know, and, and, and you you hear stuff. You know, I'm in LA, like you guys. I listen to talk radio. You you hear guys talk about like we should be in the conference finals. We should be this. We should be that. So you know, there's a lot of things. I go one. LeBron, when he joins a new team, it generally starts out slow. He's never joined a team with this many young guys that are, you know, to be honest, unproven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I did expect them to start slow. I think 11 and 8 is a, a, a great position to be in for the Lakers, especially with how how tight the West is. I mean, two, I mean, really, 1 through 14 is a difference <laughs> of like four games. Like you, Something like that, you yeah. win two games or lose two games in a row and you're tumbling in and out of the standings. It's, it, it's kind of amazing. Um, so I think they're in a good position. Um, they should be encouraged with where they're at. Uh, I, I think they can play a lot better than they have. But there's a a thing of just, you know, I think they're, they're where they need to be. And it just takes time to build up all this chemistry. You have, what is it, like six new guys. You have to build chemistry. New roles are being figured out. Ingram going from really being the number one guy to to being the number two guy is, is, has been an issue. And he's trying to figure that stuff out. It's, it, it's a whole process. So any crazy expectations of these Lakers, it's going to win, you know, 60 games and they're going to be this, you know, er, calm down. Like, <laughs> you don't have to take shots. at. An- I mean, Anthony's right here. You I'm don't have to take right shots here. at him like this. Well, is- listen, nobody can ever say I didn't say it to his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to, I'm, I'm interested to see where you think the improvement will actually come from. Do you think it's an organic? Do you think it'll just happen with the more these guys play together? Or should they be focused on one side of the ball versus the other? Is it a shooting concern? Is it a personnel concern? Where, if the Lakers are going to take the next step forward, where do you think that's going to come from? I mean, it's going to take a lot of things. One, the young guys have to be consistent. You know, you, you, you don't know what you're going to get. Listen, I get killed all the time for, for killing Ingram. I think Ingram could be great, um, or, or at least just really good. But there's just a level of inconsistency we we see from, from Brandon where you, you, you get, you know, 
great Brandon one day and you get really bad Brandon the next day. You get, you know, with Lonzo, same thing. You could see when his effort level's high and he's super aggressive. And then you could see when it really sort of drops off. You know, I think consistency for the young guys is going to be a key thing. I mean, just yesterday's Orlando game, Kuzma starts out the game on fire. 13 points, four assists. You're like, wow, like he he seemed poised to have a great game. Hey, I don't man, remember Kuzma. him. I don't remember him doing anything else after that. Yeah, yeah so, I think he finished with like 17 and 17 and like five assists or something like that. Like he had one more assist the whole game. Right. And 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 so you kind of just sort of fe- fell into that. Uh, you know, he just he, he kind of lost it after that first quarter, which is fine. These guys are young. It's going to happen. But that's an improvement. Um, you know, when you said, you know, one side of the ball or the other, they're actually all tied in, you know, offensively and defensively. You know, when you're able to get stops, you're able to run. You know, and, 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 and that's a big thing for them when they play with pace, although LeBron doesn't really like to do it all that much. When they do play with pace, they look like a very different team versus when they're a very slow down team. And when mm-hmm. you slow the team down, that's where their lack of shooting really shows. And, and you know, it's, it's easier to defend them in the half court than in the, the transition just because with all the guys they have. Um, so it's really kind of they're all, all these things are sort of tied into it. You know, I think Luke still kind of experimenting with a few things in the rotation and, and, and trying to figure it out. It's been hard to had suspensions early in the season. And now you have the Rondo injury and you have a whole bunch of just guys that are kind of in and out. You never know what you're going to get from Lance, which, you know, is infuriating in that sense. You, 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 <laughs> well, I think we mostly know at this point <laughs> and it's not, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's chaos, but yeah. I mean, it's still uh, yeah. an, an issue, you know? So I think, and then lately, I, I mean, if you, I've been watching the past few games and it's like their turnover numbers are just obscene. Yeah. Um, you know, 14 in the first half yesterday, they did a je- better job in the second half, but then just stopped playing defense in the second half of that game. And, you know, so it's it, it, this turnover issues is becoming a problem. Free throws, random, like you can't, they're free throws. These are free <laughs> buckets, guys. Yeah. Like you have to knock these down um, and, and to shoot it as poorly as they did yesterday. Like these are all things that can improve. Um, but it'll take time. It's not something everybody tries to fast forward the process. It, it, you can't do it. It's 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 like baking a cake. You know, we we're talking about food and stuff. It it all takes time. You got to let it happen. Yeah. Well, LeBron keeps saying that it's not instant oatmeal. He said that like five times now or something. It's like a very it's like his favorite go to analogy at this point. But yeah, the the stuff you say is interesting because that's a, those are exactly the issues that Luke was pointing out after the game. He said that the, the Lakers are killing themselves with these uh, with the free throws and with the turnover issues. LeBron actually put some of the onus on himself for the turnovers. He said mm-hmm. he was forcing passes. And I think anybody who watched that game would agree like LeBron was not flawless. He was good. I mean, he wasn't the reason the Lakers lost by any means, but he definitely had some turnovers issues and like I, I wanted to ask you so like to get you you talked about Brandon's Brandon Lonzo the other young guys inconsistency like I want to get a little more specific if you were putting together a scouting report on the Lakers right now like what would that look like or what would your game plan like kind of look like for this team well I think defensively my my ultimate goal would be to slow the team down um you know I I, I want I want Lakers playing in the half court I want to be able to try my best to protect the paint because even though they're, it's pretty impressive for as, as much as they struggle from the outside, they really pound the ball in the paint and they get a, I, I don't know where they are, but they got to be in the top three, I think, still in points, points yep. in the paint or somewhere close to it. Um, so you know, I, I, I want to pack the paint as much as I can. And listen, you might beat me, but you might have one of those games where KCP can't miss from deep. You know, Lonzo gets hot. You know, I'm not trying to give up wide open threes, but I'm willing to concede some. Sh- 
some three-point shots to protect the paint and keep 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 the Lakers out of it as much as possible. So I think that'd be my first part of the game plan. Offensively, I would love to just run a lot of actions that that would force you force the Lakers into switches because they tend to screw up switches a lot. You tend to see a lot of miscommunication between the young guys. You know, a lot of times you'll see both guys will go one way and they leave the ball and that's a wide open layup or or a shot. So I, I think I would take advantage of that offensively, you know, by trying to run a lot of actions, whatever I have going on the strong side with the ball, I want to pin down or some sort of action on the weak side to, to keep that moving. And then I also, uh, I mean, listen, we all know LeBron doesn't play regular season defense, so I'd, pri- I'd probably want him on the weak side as much as possible because it's a 50-50 gamble whether he's actually going to help or not. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see when it comes to, because you mentioned the Lakers, the, the shooting that they, that uh, you would force them into, the, the you, would, you would prefer to pack the paint and force guys, especially above the break, above the break three-pointers, the Lakers have, have really struggled. Um, and, and if you're the Lakers, do you continue to take that kind of shot or do you still try to, do you take the, what the defense is giving you or do you recognize that they're giving it to you for, for a reason? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a combination of both, Anthony. I know it sounds a bit of a mm-hmm. cop out, but you know, you, you, you do want to take, you got to see what the defense is giving you and then take advantage of that, you know, and, and you got to recognize too, like it's, it, it, it's also counterintuitive. If you're over eight. As a shooter, you got to think like I'm going to make the next one, right? You yeah. want him to have that shooter mentality, but at the same time, too, you're like, for God's sakes, you're 0 for 8. <laughs> like, go, 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 get a layup or anything like that. I think there's ways to attack that space that teams will give you. You know, I I, I know nobody likes you know uh, mid range shots or whatever, but you know if they're giving you that, you know if the if the defense is going to rush out and close out on you, you know that's your opportunity to kind of pump fake and drive and 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 attack that mid-range and kind of soften it up a bit. Um once that happens then you, you you kind of get a few more opportunities. So it's sort of a a tough thing to answer cuz you don't want to stop shooting, but at the same time you need to get quality shots. So as long as they're I'll never be upset with a guy I want shooting a ball like I want Lonzo shooting it, you know, I want Kuz shooting it, I want Ingram shooting it. You know, if you guys get open looks, I want you to shoot those. You know, you you, you got to take them if that's what the defense is giving you. But sometimes also you got to probe, you got to attack. And I, I think it's a balance of, of playing it, you know, both ways. You know, sometimes, you know, if somebody creates an open shot for you, you got to take it. That's just the way I look at it. Especially in a that, That's actually very role. similar. That's actually very similar to what Luke was talking with us about before the game yesterday. He It was brought up to him that the Lakers are like, I think they were 12th yesterday. Now they're like 10th in three-point percentage in the league. And he all but called it a fluke. He was like, yeah, well, you know, teams are scouting us to give us those threes. And so they're open looks. And he basically just said that he only really, he doesn't want the team just like hunting threes on the break or anything like that. Like he wants them to get some penetration and then kick it out and to like put up. And then if you're open, you put up the shot because, you know, that's what you're out on the floor to do. And that's the best threes that are created, to be honest with you. Like, you know, some guys have that ability, right, to just dribble right into it and pull up for a three. Um, you know, the the other side of it, too, is, you know, drawing the defense in and then kicking that ball out for a three or, or, or using the post to get a double team and then kicking it out for a three. Like, those are really great, great looks. Or the, you know, or the ball gets swung around, boom, 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 and then you find the open guy in the corner. So I think there, that's – that's definitely a, a thought and that's something like I wouldn't have a problem with now you come in and, and 
I'm not going to say anything to LeBron if he decides to pull up for a three. Um, <laughs> but I, I like I watched the game yesterday. Like J- Walton did the same thing I would have done as soon as JaVale McGee shot that three. You know what I mean? I'd just been like, Tyson, come on. Yeah. Get, get JaVale. Like you can't eat, like that's the shot I don't want. Right. Like there was like an I, audible gasp from the crowd when JaVale took that <laughs> shot. I think everybody I think everybody knew what was coming after that one. But that actually that does lead that this is a uh, what would LeBron have to do for you to sit him down? Like if the, or if you're if you're Luke Walton, like I, I mean, obviously he's not. Got, I'm just trying to think like of, you know, if I'm Luke, like LeBron would have to like start pulling up from like 75 feet, I think, before I'm starting to like yell at him. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want the honest truth, and this is probably why I would get fired pretty quickly, probably about 20 <laughs> games into the season. But, like, I'd be all over LeBron defensively, you know. Um, and and it's funny. I was uh, – rare rare moment when I was listening to, to re- the post-game radio show uh, afterwards, and the Kamitsky brothers, who I'm pretty sure I butchered their last name, um, said, you know, we're talking about the defense and, and things like that. I go, you know, when LeBron doesn't rotate – that screws up everybody else in the rotation. You work on your shell defense, which is, you know, you you work on your rotations. You walk through all of these things. So when you go here, this guy goes there. I mean, I, I'm tired of saying it, but defense is on a string, right? Yep. So when LeBron doesn't go, that that screws it all up, right? Because then the other guy is not going to go. And it, it, th- there's that whole thing. And then when LeBron's out of the game, you, you guys aren't in your same principal stuff. You know, I, I understand how much energy we we give lebron the excuse of like he has to create so much on the offensive end you know what if he's tired i'll cut down his minutes you have enough playmakers you have enough guys with lonzo who can create for others you have you know you can get some time for ingram to go one-on-one and let him try to attack um you know you have enough and 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 that's how the young guys are going to grow but these guys are so young you don't want them developing bad habits so you know as a coach you have to be able to coach everybody one through 15 so you know i i now, listen, am I dumb enough to just do it and blindside LeBron? No, I'm going to have a conversation with him ahead of time going like, look, I need it. I'm going at you in film sessions because I need to be able to go at everybody in film sessions. I need you to do what you need to do defensively. You need to be in those spots because, you know what, they're giving up too many easy buckets. There was a, a Vucevic, I think it was, who had a, a easy layup uh, yesterday and it was LeBron on the weak side who just didn't come over. Um, and it's, you know, I pointed it out and somebody said, well, he did it a play earlier and got a foul. Well, that's fine. He needs to do it every time and he needs to be there every time. So I think that's where I would get on LeBron defensively. Well, so that's actually what I wanted to ask you. I mean, if you, obviously Luke Walton is not, he's not going to call out LeBron in his post game media availability or anything like that. He's not going to embarrass him on the floor. That's just, you don't do that. But is that criticism even for stars? Like generally, you don't have to get into specific guys, but like, is that generally kind of more amped up behind closed doors? Like they're able to be a little bit more honest and kind of go like the coaches are able to like, that's where they can criticize them a little bit without embarrassing them. Yeah. I, you, you know, it's been talked about a ton, but you know, like, Popovich and Tim Duncan had that relationship where Pop would go at Tim the hardest. Now Pop yeah. would go at Tim real hard and Pop would go at Tony and go at Manu and then go at Matt Bonner and go at all of these guys. It's a relationship thing. They all know he's going to go at somebody. I've been in locker rooms where the, the the team knows players are smart. They know, you know, and they recognize when the coach isn't going to go at somebody, you know, that was, that was the criticism of Blatt, right? Like before he got fired was he just, he wasn't treating everybody the same. And then when Ty Lue got the job, 
you know, the, one of the first things he did was he said to LeBron, I got to be able to coach you. I have to be able to go at you. And he was famously, you know, quoted, you know, as, as telling LeBron to just shut the F up, you know, and, 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 and that's the kind of stuff where it's like, all right, everybody notices now we're all going to be held accountable. So you don't do it in the media. You know, I mean, that's a Phil Jackson thing. He used to always poke guys in the media and stuff. Phil like is like that. the one guy that I can really remember doing that a whole lot with, like even stars. Like, yeah, coaches will do it with role players sometimes. But you can like, do that I, kind I, of thing with thirteen rings, though. Yeah, like Luke, Luke. Luke can't quite go out there and do the handle the things. Well, I don't the same honestly. Way. I don't think that wouldn't work. I don't think that Luke should do that. I no. mean, I'm all for him being honest with us when we're asking him questions, but like, it's not in his best interest to go out of his way and like criticize LeBron. And and the one thing I do say, you know, is, listen, as a coach, you're going to get fired one way or another. We all know, listen, things have to really get going for the Lakers. Otherwise, Walton's going to be in a, a situation. Well, listen, do you want to look back later and be like, damn, I really should have fought, you know, fought LeBron and, and really won at it? At least I was going to get fired either way. I'm going down swinging. And listen, that's why also I probably would have been fired 15 games into the season, you know, so <laughs> but I'm but, but I'm going to walk away feeling like, hey. I did my job. I coached, you know, if, if this guy doesn't want to be coached or doesn't want to hear it, that I can't do much about that. We'll cut that last like 30 seconds out of the podcast just so that when you're up for the job next year, when, you know, it's. I maybe... ain't trying to coach no more, man. That's, <laughs> that's too stressful, dude. That's too stressful, man. I get to sleep in a little more now. I get that stuff's way too stressful. Unless they got the Brinks truck coming to the house. I, I ain't coaching. <laughs> I think I think also when it comes to coaching LeBron, I, I think it's also important here because he said that he he actually likes being coached so long as it's in a respectful manner. I, if you if you challenge LeBron, if you if you try to if you try to speak down to LeBron, he's not going to respond very well to that. But if 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 behind closed doors, Luke says, "Hey, every so often, just make that one rotation there and and set the tone for the rest of the guys on the team." I think he would handle that pretty well. I don't think that would be too much to ask. You know, no, the, I don't know either. The problem is, Anthony, it's, it's, there's, there's a ton of rotations he misses, right? Oh, so yeah, like yeah. How, yeah. And, and, <laughs> well, and that's a I'm challenge. literally starting with one. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's, and that's a challenge for once. coaches in general. Yeah. That's a challenge for coaches in general. How much do you show of a guy, whatever, not missing rotations and stuff, to the point where it's almost like you're bullying him, right? Like, yeah. listen, it's different with LeBron, but like – you know, at a certain point, it's like, do I just pull this guy aside and sit with him privately and go through film or what? Like, you know, at a certain point, you, you got to do some of it publicly. Some of it you got to kind of do behind closed doors. It's a challenge for coaches in general, you know, and 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 because you still need these guys. You still need them to go into the game confident and feeling good and things like that, especially after a loss. Like that's the job of a coach right there is is to get the guys going and and, and buying in. So. It's a hard, hard thing to do. It's a hard challenge, but you know that's why they get paid the big bucks. <laughs> yep. Uh, I want to before we get going here. Uh, I I just kind of want to get a sense for where you think the Lakers. We we talked about goals earlier on in the show. Uh, do you think playoffs should be a goal for them? Should it be a certain seating that they should be interested in? Is it is it that specific with these guys, or is it just? Nope, we got to continue this progress and we got to continue this process and and then we can rethink some stuff 30 40 games in. Yeah, I think playoffs should still be the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's probably too early to start worrying about seeding and start start thinking seeding, especially, especially because it's so tight. 
it's yeah, it's just so jumbled up, like we said earlier. Like you just don't know, you know. Um, it's I mean, and 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 it could go down to the wire. I mean, last year, what it was seeds three through nine basically weren't decided till the last night of the season. Yep. Um, so you know, I think that's that will take care of itself. I think the ultimate goal should be we need to be a playoff team, and we need to get you know we need to feel like we're improving each game. You know, and you're gonna have some nights. Season's a roller coaster. It's up and down. You're going to have some nights where it's like the guys are finally getting it. And then you're going to have other nights where we're like, oh, God, we're, we're, we're taking two steps back. Like, that's what's going to happen. Um, I think it's just a matter of building something where everybody feels comfortable and confident, building the confidence of the guys and and, and working towards something. Um, and, and, and I mean, the, the Sixers have ruined the word, the process, but that's it. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> they, they, they've they've kind of just sort of you have to build and you have to work your way up to that. Um, you know, I know he called it instant oatmeal, but I, I, I really like the cake metaphor. You know, you got to start, you know, you have your ingredients now and you got to just put it in the oven and let it rise and, and, and hope it rises together. Um, and, and evenly. So it's, it's just that process. You just want to slowly get better, but the playoffs should definitely be a goal. I think they're, I, I'm very confident they're a playoff team. I just can't see LeBron missing the playoffs. Um, but there's how far they go really does depend on seeding and who they match up with i mean it, it's so upside down in the west right now i don't even know what to make of some of these teams that are struggling um that i thought would be really good so yeah. it's uh i don't know what they're going to look like at the end of the season i mean i still feel like we're going to get a whole bunch more trades coming up in the next few you know weeks all the way to the deadline um as teams try to figure stuff out so uh, it's going to be interesting, but I think the the playoffs should be the the ultimate goal. I think anything after that is gravy. You're, you should be happy with. Yeah, in, in like in about a month, or I'd say a month or two after December, what is it, fifteenth, when everybody becomes trade eligible, it's going to be terrifying to record these podcasts in the afternoon, <laughs> yeah. where like the entire team could be overhauled and like like within like an hour or two of you hitting say, you're like, yeah, I just we did all this analysis on KCP and like how he's been shooting, and oh, oh, okay, he's a sixer now, right? Um, so. <laughs> Like, I actually, one of the debates that we've been having, like, I think a lot on Lakers Twitter, and you you talked about the young guys a little bit. We've talked a lot about LeBron this show, but I'm curious, like, you mentioned that people say that you're hating on Ingram, all that stuff. So I know the answer to this is probably not Ingram, but which one of these Lakers young guys are, as an outside perspective, are you most high on? See, that's a tough question. I've been thinking about that for a while. Um, I'm probably most high on, on Lonzo. Um, which pains me being a, a USC Trojan. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't like giving any love to Bruins. Um, so he might be even better than you think he's going to be, just because, like, you know, you're hating on him a little bit just because of the USC thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I feel like I do a good enough job compartmentalizing that. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think Congratulations I, I, on Clay Hilton sticking around, by the way. That was a... We, oh, we that was so mean. We don't we don't need to talk about that, Anthony. We don't need to talk about that. Okay? I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't. Help it's it Thanksgiving. Up. It's the holidays, and you taking shots. Okay, I get it. Earlier, I took a shot, basketball shot. So you coming back at me now? It's okay. Okay, I get it now. Okay, we're there. We're we're even, Anthony. All right. Uh, <laughs> but I think he has the chance to be really good. Um, it's a consistency thing. I still think he could shoot it better. I don't know if he's an all-star. I never I never really jumped into the, oh, this dude's an all-star. He's going to be the greatest ever, or all that stuff. I think he can get to another level of how good he can be. Um, I'm, I'm high, I was very high on Ingram. I, I, I've been disappointed this season because I, I feel like he's regressed this year. 
Um, and I think part of that is trying to figure out where he fits in this offense um, and, and, and where he fits in this team in general. So I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty low on him right now. Um, and, and, you know, Kuzma and Hart, listen, I, I love Hart's worked his way up. Like he's been hustling. He works hard. He played all summer league when he didn't have to, like he's balling and, and, and doing that stuff. But those guys also suffer from that consistency thing, which is an issue with all these young guys. Um, I think they fit best with LeBron. I don't know if Ingram fits very well with LeBron. That seems to have been his biggest problem. Like I, I agree with you about the reg- the regression thing, but I think it's been like the with the asterisk when he plays with LeBron because in the minutes when he's played just by himself, I've actually thought he's played pretty well. I, I think it's just figuring out how to be that secondary scorer and not just jack shots because he's afraid that he's not going to get a chance to average twenty when LeBron's on the floor. That is like the biggest problem. It gets derailed when when the two of them are playing together. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's the thing I think going back to. You know, I've I've gotten killed for it in the past, but you know, thinking like, hey, you should look at bringing him off the bench and having him run with the second unit, or at least pull him out early in the first quarter and bring him in with the second unit and let him run with that second. I don't need to see Lance Stevenson play one-on-one basketball ever in life, nope. and and that happens a lot in that <clears> second <throat> unit, you know, and, and things. And I think putting Ingram in there and having him be the focal point of that second unit really would help a lot offensively. You know, for for that for that unit, really, because like when you look at those guys, you're like, who's who's really the guy you want to go to? Yeah, I think the difficult part with that is they've sold him, talked him up as this all star, both publicly and it seems behind closed doors and this like superstar scorer future, like future potential all star type guy. And I think that when you've talked a guy up like that and you have him believing that it's hard to then go, well, actually, we want to bring you off the bench. Yeah, it's a hard conversation, but you know what? It's it's you got to have those conversations. You know, listen, he, it's a big boy league. You know, if his feelings are going to get hurt, his feelings are going to get hurt. But you have to do it. Um, it. It's for the good of the team, you know, and, 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 and it's a delicate conversation. You don't just go in there and, rah, or, you know, this is what we're doing. Like, hey, look, this is what we're seeing. This is what we think is going to make it better, you know, and this is. This is going to help you out. And then you really start then you start pumping him up going like, man, six man of the year award could be yours, you know, like prime him up to be a super sub or, hey, we're going to start you, but we're going to pull you early so that you can really shine in that second unit could be however they want to do it, even if they don't want to bring him off the bench, you know, and 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 I think the Lakers tend to have that problem of like we really overhype guys. You know, when I mean we, I mean Magic does it. I was going to say, anybody. yeah, that's that's mostly been, I think, a Matt. Well, I guess Palinka too. I mean, he did sell KCP as mana from heaven when <laughs> he was introduced him at his press conference. That was unforgettable. Man, I can't, I can't listen to Palinka because he, he's going into these weird tangents and stuff. Like it's too much for me, man. Uh, it's <laughs> we. I, I sit there before every press conference and I'm like, what story is he? Because every single time you think he can't top himself, he's like, well, actually, LeBron signing is kind of like this book, The Alchemist, and it's like, oh, yeah. this is not where I expected. This to go but <laughs> which it which it isn't by the way i'm a big fan of the alchemist it's not the same thing oh uh, i love that book too i don't i don't know i did not get that one i was like you know which which which, which really just infuriates me but that's a whole other issue but the idea of lonzo's first press conference and talking about lonzo being a future hall of famer and, and taking all the record like dude let the kid play a game you know like let him hey we think he has a chance to be great that's all you got to say that's why we drafted him that's why we took him with the second pick. You know, there's that whole, you know, thing of like, 
just got to talk and pump all this stuff up. You know, it's like it, it, it doesn't serve you well at the end of the day. Like you're smart. You're better off just kind of saying like, hey, this is what we this is our guy. We're going to roll with him and we're going to try to put him in the best situations to be successful. If that's coming off the bench or if that's more time in the second unit and less with LeBron. That's what we're going to do, because that's what's going to make Brandon Ingram a better player. And I think that's a, I think that's the focus they have to lock into more instead of this whole hyperbole of like this guy is going to be a, uh, the next Hall of Famer or the next guy we're going to pass the torch to. It's like it's, it's too much. Dial it back a bit. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this because it's a it's a it's a source of conversation and 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 usually it's always very well tempered. It's it's it never gets out of hand. But Luke Walton has been reluctant to uh, to play Lonzo Ball late in these games. And uh, I don't know, I, Harrison. I'm sure you've you've uh, gotten to talk about this stuff with the kind folks on Twitter. And, I get uh, ratioed every single time I tweet <laughs> Luke's rationale for sitting Lonzo, and it's like, guys, I can't go. I, I replied to someone yesterday. I can't go down and sub him in. Uh, that's not within my my realm of powers. Like, I think that's just you being lazy, Harrison. I yeah, think now with that <laughs> attitude, gee. <laughs> but I guess I guess Mo, my question to you is. How would you how would you balance out so in in the Orlando game for example Luke basically ran with the with the hot hand theory right where the group that got them back into the game late just got to finish the game and and that was his rationale there I I would imagine and yeah. I, I guess my question is how do you balance out what might be better for the franchise moving forward getting Lonzo those reps or trying to win that game specifically yeah so. Going forward, obviously, it's always getting the young guys reps. Mm -hmm. That's just the long term view of it. Um, unfortunately, and we saw it. It's not like the organization is willing to wait. Magic, who in the summer said, we'll be patient with Luke Walton if we start slow. Mm -hmm. And then immediately, it, you know, immediately has a closed door meeting and, and curses him out. You know, it's 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 a mixed signal from the organization for what Walton's supposed to do. He's supposed to win games is, is really what it is now. And, you know, I'm a believer in the hot hand theory. You know, yes, he, he even said he wanted to bring Lonzo back in. But at the same time, the defense was doing well. They were I mean, they had no business making this a close game at the end of the game. No, uh, not at all. You, you know, I mean, like, really, the if you look at the, the story of the game, the Lakers should have blown them out in the first half, except for all those turnovers. And then they're getting their butts kicked in the second half. And then really in like the last four minutes. They, 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 they turned it on and started playing and they get back into this game. You know, I think at that point you just got to, Hey, you just got to ride with the ones who brought you there. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I'm sure he would have loved to have brought Lonzo in. Um, he even said as much, but at the same time, you know, how much would everybody be killing him now if he brought Lonzo in and then they end up losing by 10, you know, I mean, they had and a, how much would they be killing Lonzo? Right. And, and they had a good thing going. It's just hot hand. You know, I've seen it with coaches, you know, not just Walton, but I've seen it with coaches before where it's a situation of, hey, we've, you know, these guys brought us back into that game. They deserve to finish it. You know, I mean, KCP was all over the place defensively. Listen, he had a wide open look for three that would have yeah. given them the lead. You know, I mean, like that was a good shot. That was a good pass from LeBron. That's a shot I want KCP taking. I'm fine with KCP taking it. You know, it's it's it, it, it is what it is. Um you know, he just was short on the shot. It's a whole different story, right? If he makes that shot, um, but long term, or if yes. LeBron makes a shot like literally the play before that, where he had 15 feet of separation on a three pointer himself. <laughs> yeah, it, it, 
you know, and 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 that was even a bit harder because that was the ones we were talking about, right? Like LeBron dribbling and then pulls up into a step back and 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 at three, I think we're talking about the same three. Um, I hope at least. Otherwise, mm-hmm. uh. um, <laughs> uh, and then KCP, like we talked about earlier, you know, LeBron drives, draws the defense, kicks it out to an open guy for three. That's a, that's a, that's a shot I will take every time as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, KCP played well defensively. So it's 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 a hard situation. It's tough. You but you got to know, like, just listen. Magic's made it clear. You better win games. Um, because they're already lining up who's going to be the next coach, right? You know, uh, it's not, it, it, I, I, the timing's funny. It may be true, may not be true, but I found it very funny that Derek Fisher all of a sudden is on Spectrum Sports all the time, you know, not long after that whole thing. Like everybody's circling, the, the vultures are circling, you know, uh, every national TV game that Mark Jackson's calling for the Lakers, <laughs> it's an audition to him. Yep. You know, there's the, the buzzers are circling, you know, and, and, and so Luke's got to win games. So he's got to play the guys that, that, they got him there, and 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 that lineup brought them to brought this game, you know, brought them within a three to 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 really winning the game. Yep, uh, that'll do it though. Thank you very much, Mo, for for hopping on a, a couple days after Thanksgiving and and during what I'm sure has been a really busy season for you. You guys got to go check out all of the content he's putting get together at thejumpball.net and with the Washington Post. Congratulations on 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 getting the gig there also and and helping out over there at the Post. That's been really cool to to watch that grow as well uh but but thanks very much and we'll talk to you again soon oh guys thank you guys for having me man it's uh it's been a long time so uh it has been a while i i I appreciate it guys and i appreciate all your support all right that'll do it then for that conversation uh harrison and i are going to talk a little bit more about the lakers specifically and then we'll send you guys on your merry way thanks mo we'll talk to you soon let's talk to you guys So in like right before we went live to record this, we had maybe the greatest exchange that has ever happened off air on any of the podcasts that we have ever recorded. As you tell your girlfriend, Mia, can you please not blow your nose so loud? Well, because you asked me if somebody was blowing their nose, was sneezing or something. And I was like, oh, that's like, I didn't realize that my mic was that sensitive that you can hear that. But yeah, my girlfriend was in the shower blowing her nose very loudly and grossly. (laughs) And I I yelled at her to shut the door. So, (laughs) Man. That was uh, between this and the between this happened. and John Wall the couch. I don't know. <laughs> so today though we we had our conversation with Mo and you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And at the very very end there, we kind of touched on this Lonzo Ball Luke Walton late game kind of situation that that we have building at this point. And before we threw to the Mo conversation, I said that it's becoming a trend. And would you agree with that? Like, would you agree that it's it's become a trend or that it's becoming a trend at this point? Before we get started on that, I just want to say, like, you know, this is we are talking about this and giving our thoughts now because we're a little bit of cowards and we didn't want Mo to call our idea stupid because he's like so much smarter about this than we are. And so like now we can give our thought. This is a safe space now, Anthony. So you can give your you, you held your terrible takes in like in just the fire breathing this in for like an entire 40 minute conversation. So I'm ready to let you go. But I, I do think it's fair to call it a trend. We've literally written two articles entitled why basically why Luke Walton benched Lonzo this time. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not comfortable with this trend. Yeah, it's like 
one time when he gives the kind of nuance, like I, I feel like he's given fair answers to the question both times. But you can but always when, find reasons. When you're, that's what I'm saying. When you're looking for reasons this often, it's kind of becoming a trend whether there are other reasons or not. And that doesn't necessarily – like I honestly don't totally agree with it. I do think that the closing lineup yesterday, obviously they were having their success. But saying that he had to keep KCP in there is not an excuse to not play Lonzo, you know? Yeah, I mean there's two guard spots. Yeah. So <laughs> like, who was out there yesterday? Was it was Hart the other one? Because like I would have subbed him for Hart. I would have been happy uh, to do no, that. No, I don't think Hart was out. I think it was KCP, Kuzma, Ingram, James, and then the big. I think they finished. Oh, the there you go. Yeah, and they wanted to stay big because Jokic was or not Jokic, Vucevic, uh, yeah, was killing them. And so I don't. I don't have a problem with having a big out there. I they look better. Frankly, with, yeah, with a I mean, with a big out there, I would, but I just I just I, I think for, probably for Ingram. Then I'm not I'm not okay with finding a new excuse every single night not to play your franchise point guard down the stretch of these games. Like he needs those reps, and and yeah, both I these things can be going on at the same time. I probably would have flipped him for Ingram. Yeah, well, either Ingram or or. I, KCP was playing well, so I understand that. And you have the clutch. Wasn't shooting well, but he was, He made a big difference down the stretch last night. He actually especially. was to me. He was very impactful. Especially there was that last, play towards the end that actually got them the possession where he took the shot and missed. But he basically like he played really good defense, got like the strip, saved the ball from going out of bounds as he was falling down. Yeah, and then like it came up the court, and you know like he's been shooting like almost forty percent in November. Mm-hmm. So you him going one of seven yesterday is an aberration and lebron and lebron was right that was good process he had an open shot he passed it to him and he missed and sometimes that's how it goes the big bigger issue for the lakers yesterday was not whether or not lonzo closed it was not kcp's field goal percentage it was just that they keep shooting themselves in the foot and honestly it gave me more confidence that once they start to figure out that they get a little bit more chemistry they start to figure out this turnover thing they start to figure out the free throw issues maybe you'd think that they would not shoot this badly from the line all year year then you know th- this was a four-point loss where the other team shot like i think 11 more shots than they did and shot way better from the free throw line like i i think these games are winnable they just have to figure out those little things as much as anything but though again like i agree with you about the lonzo thing it's just tough because you have to consider who do you bench there i, I just think we we can isolate each of these games and we can analyze them in, in the vacuum of just the, the one game. And, and like I said, it concerns me that Luke seems to be finding reasons not to play him when really given the importance of Lonzo ball to this franchise, you should be finding reasons to play him. Yes. And, and, and that, that we've reached a trend here where we're talking about this again, that that makes me a little concerned. Honestly, if I was to go down my list of things that I'm most disappointed in th- this season, I, I I would I probably wouldn't go very far before I reach Luke Walton. I he's some of the stuff that he's doing out there is, is I I just don't I don't get it. I I don't I don't understand some of his rotations. I don't understand how do you how do you screw this up so badly with Brandon Ingram and, and LeBron James? How how is this how is this a thing that we are still talking you about two weeks ago just really mad that they weren't giving luke a fair shot uh yeah and stuff changes in two weeks okay i mean no i mean <laughs> you you tell me do you think he's getting the most out of this roster right now honest to god 
No, but it is a very flawed roster. It's a lot less flawed, right? And that was that was the big thing. That was my big takeaway when they landed Tyson Chandler, is that it's a lot less flawed at this point than it was back you just, when. At the you at still the, have you still have a lot of pieces that don't necessarily fit the best together. The puzzle makes more sense with Tyson Chandler, but it, it's still you have a lot of guys. Like the the bigger issue to me is the starting Ingram and Coos. I, I just don't think that you can continue to do that. Like one of these guys needs to start coming off the bench. And honestly, it, it's I, I'm with Mo. It probably should be Ingram. I just think that that's a tough thing to do. It is. I, I here's how I would. I did a lot of thinking about this over the weekend because I didn't have to send as many tweets. I didn't have to write. So I just got to watch games and think about them. It's kind of nice. Uh, but how many how many favors do you think are going into the decision-making behind the rotations here? Like Lance Stevenson still playing. That that shouldn't be a thing anymore, right? Lance has had his moments. Lance yeah, but... ha- to, to be fair, I, I think Lance is like Lance takes a lot of flack, and I don't think that he's I don't think he's a great player. But Lance has had his moments this but he's year. Like, a terrible he plays a fit. Frust- he plays a very frustrating style of basketball. But there have been games where he's bailed the Lakers out too. He, he's he's a terrible fit. It's it's more he, there. Would you say if well, you had to if you again, had to that goes to the the fit of the roster not if... really being perfect. Well, if you had to calculate how many times he's bailed out the Lakers or put them into bad situations with the way that he plays, which do you think there are more of? Well, we can. There's real easy. We can go to on-off net rating for this. So let me I mean, just. It's probably not going to be great. And yeah. and 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 the other thing too here is like, all right, so Lance playing is probably a favor to the front office. I would imagine just kind of saying, hey, if I phrase it as as a favor, it's more like they signed this guy, I'd probably better play him. Right, but that, yeah. I mean, we're now we're talking semantics, right? Yeah, yeah, now, I just, I don't know, I just didn't agree with the exact and, phrasing, but and, I get and what now, you And now we're, we, you know, with, with Ingram and Kuzma, uh, one of those guys not starting, right? It's it's a favor in a, in a sense that both those guys are young, they both probably think that they should be starting, but what's best for yeah. the team here is one of those guys coming off of the bench. and And, and at some point here, Luke Walton has to be the damn coach. Like, he has to. Okay. So you're going to laugh about this. The Lakers are 2.4 points per 100 possessions. Uh, they're, they're ne- they have a negative 2.4 with Lance on the floor and a positive 3 when he sits. And mm-hmm. so they are 5.4 points per 100 possessions worse when Lance is on the floor. I know this. I Anybody who's watched can the, know that. The Lakers so. are also nearly nine points worse per 100 possessions when Lonzo plays. Yeesh. Yeesh. Although I think that has a lot to do with him playing a lot of minutes with that starting group. That's probably I... partially. That's probably context that needs to be factored in. This is why we can't just look at the numbers for this stuff. Yeah. But I just wanted to point that out since you were crapping on Lance while also demanding Lonzo play more. Well, I mean, uh, which, but do, I agree you, with which you. do you think is more I, important? I agree. I agree with you, but yeah. I'm just saying. I, I just think I think when it what it what it comes down to is at some point Luke is going to have to be the coach and he's going to sit some of these he has to sit some of these guys down and say, Hey, what's actually best for this team right now is if you play a few fewer minutes, like not at all, Lance. Or if Ingram, you come off of the bench and you focus on carrying that second unit, which makes a lot more sense if Lance Stevenson isn't playing, right? And and the rotation just starts to make a lot more sense if you just eliminate that one guy. And and as as much as I would imagine the front office and, and Luke wants to appease the front office and, and playing the guy that they signed, 
at some point you got to step up and, and be a leader and do what's actually best for the team. Not in November, best... the Lakers are 10.2 points per 100 possessions better when Lance sits. <laughs> and that's against some really bad teams. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. Way to go, Lance. Uh, thank you for making my point. But that's that's all. I Maybe these – and just like, just like I said a second ago, over the next couple weeks, these things can change again, right? Like if Luke figures some of this out and makes some of these adjustments, I can come back and I can say, hey – yeah, it's important. We're we're what nineteen games in now. Yeah. It'll be twenty tonight against the Nuggets. When by the time you guys are listening to this, yeah. so yeah, I mean twenty games in. You know, you would hope that you, they they've started to figure some things out. You'd think by thirty they'd have figured a lot more out. Yeah, and and that's how these things are going to go. It's just going to yeah. take a little bit of time. All right, so this is our <laughs> here's our final. As my cat chimes in here, this is our final. Um, this is, so this uh, this will be our final thing. Our uh, locked on Lakers enemy of the week. I actually did not put a whole lot of thought into this, although at this point, based on what's going on off air, like it may be my girlfriend, like with the, with the sneezing. <laughs> it might be just your girlfriend's nose. That's it. Just me. Yeah. And so, but here's our we uh, we actually have our first listener nominee for enemy of the week, and so this one is enemy of the week. It's five star review. It's from Lakers fan all day twenty four. So thank you very much for submitting that. Again, all of you can submit your own nominees for enemy of the week uh, <laughs> by going to our iTunes reviews, leaving preferably a five star review. And so th- here's this one. So hey Harrison, hey Anthony, I really enjoy your podcast together, and I wanted to nominate Julius Randall and KCP as my enemies of the week. KCP is playing better, but I was wondering if we could have used the twelve million for his contract on Julius Randle to keep him. So I guess Randall's the enemy for leaving despite the Lakers not wanting him, and KCP is the enemy for taking twelve million dollars. Um I I I show me the lie. KCP's been playing better lately. So I I I, I agree with that part of it. I'm actually writing about that right now. I talked to KCP about that today. And so look for that, I guess, today by the time that you guys are listening to this. And but I, so I, I looked this up. The Lakers actually, in the orders that they made, in the order that they made the signings. So their first signing this summer was where is this? Should be they, so they they renounced uh, the rights to Randall, KCP, Brook Lopez, Isaiah Thomas, Channing Fry. They signed uh, they signed Rondo. They signed Caldwell Pope. And then uh, James was one of their last signings, but they signed hmm. Rondo. They signed Caldwell Pope. I, I think based on the rates that they've signed guys and the fact that they signed Rondo first, that means that they had to sign him into cap room and the KCP was like they signed him into like kind of like because partial of the bird rights. Step. Partial yeah, bird rights. So I don't think that I don't know that it would. It, it's like I think it was more of a Rondo versus Randall as my understanding goes, although I'm not a cap expert. So no, I could be that wrong sounds about that. right. Yeah. That sounds about right. I would I would probably agree with that. I the Randall decision was made before the offseason though. That's I think that was made last fall. Yeah, I, I would even yeah, before, before I mean based on the way that he was being played and yeah, all of that, that stuff. That that decision think, was made like people people were still in my mentions telling me that there was a, a Randall or LeBron thing all the time and, and I, it was it was a it was a Randall is not coming back here thing. It wasn't a yeah, Randall versus I, anybody. I think after the the Russell trade like I don't think Randall was ever coming back. Yeah, and and that has a lot to do with Aaron Mintz. I also there think... were a lot of things that went on there that yeah. like I just don't think that that relationship was. I, that's why I like in retrospect we should have never expected Paul George to come. Probably, maybe, probably. I mean, I don't think he even took the Lakers calls. Right? No, he didn't take a meeting. They were they were yeah. kind of upset about that, but probably yeah. not surprised. Yep. 
All right, that'll do it, though, for this episode of The Lake Show. Uh, not my fifth job ago show. Yeah. <laughs> that'll do it, though, for, for this one. And we will be back a week from now. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. Like Harrison said, get those ratings, get those subscriptions in, and uh, and and let's keep this this show continuing to to grow. Uh, it's been a lot of fun putting it together. The network is is coming along fairly nicely. Uh, so so keep looking out for new shows and all of that stuff. And we'll talk to you in in about a week. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>